0: You take them and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and New Year. What a perfect time in the new year to to think about what happened in this last year. And we kind of did a little bit of that last week. And to anticipate how we're going to live differently in the new year. We, We often hear people making New Year's resolutions and kind of making promises with their own heart or even with God about how they're going to live their lives differently in a new year. I think not only is a new year an appropriate time to think and to stop and to carefully consider our time, to genuinely ask our hearts, do we value our time? Or do we live lives uh, frivolously, uncaring about the time that God has given to us? Not only because of New Year's, but I think also, I think there is a sobering reality when you think about Ellen Hankinson being with the Lord. You think about God calling her home very unexpectedly, very quickly, and that that could happen to any one of us. What would Ellen say if she were to come here today, step down out of heaven and speak to us? What would she say? about how to use your time, how to value your time. I think that she would say what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men, making the most of your time because the days are evil. This morning, I want us to think I want us to think about our death we did it a couple months ago when we were going through philippians chapter 1 uh, verse 21 living is christ and dying is gain and i want us to do it again and i want to preface thinking about that last day thinking about our death with a scripture that i think will enable us to see the, the purpose and the power behind thinking about that last day it's ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 2 through 4 and they read as this It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting or to go to a wedding feast. It's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a wedding because, Solomon writes, because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. That is the end of every man. Every man will die. And because we can see that that is the end of every man, then we will take it to heart. The living should, must, will take it to heart. It's an ironic verse because I'm actually going to a wedding this afternoon, but it's better to be here. It's better to be here thinking, however soberly, and I hope it's not depressing, but it's reality. It's better to be here in a house of sobriety than in a house of feasting and in a house of joy and celebration. Why is that? Because we have been given two options, two ways to live life. We can either live life as wise men or as unwise men. We can either live life carefully or uncarefully. We can either watch how we use our time, or we can squander and waste it. The reality is, as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about my own funeral and I was thinking about standing before Jesus Christ, I think the, the greatest hope and prayer that I could have as a pastor is that you would be able to die with contentment on your deathbed. That you would not be wondering, should I have lived a different way? Could I have lived a different way? Hoping that you could just get more time to go back and do it all over again. I think the greatest prayer that I would have for Christ Bible Church is that each and every one of us would be able on that last day to be content, I have spent my life to glorify God. That would be my prayer. And that was the prayer of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, we're going to learn a lot more about him in the weeks to come during our family Bible hour when we learn about church history as we're going to go through church history together But Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon way back when in December of 1734 entitled The Preciousness of Time and the Importance of Redeeming It. And I just want to take that sermon and kind of rework it and reshape it for us this morning. And because it is a Jonathan Edwards sermon, because there are a thousand points within this sermon and they're all incredibly long, I think for the very first time, I told my wife last night, for the very first time I think ever in in my preaching history, I'm actually going to have PowerPoint slides behind me so that you will be able to see what Jonathan Edwards is saying. You will be able to write them down. You won't get lost because if I were just to speak these points to you, you would get so lost because Jonathan Edwards just takes us on rabbit trail after rabbit trail. So there will be a PowerPoint behind me that will detail the three questions that Jonathan Edwards asks uh, about this text in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, He asks these three questions. Number one, why is time precious? Why should we be careful about the way that we walk? Why is time precious? Secondly, who is the one who wastes time? Who is a time waster? And thirdly, how should we then live based on the truth of this text? From Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Jonathan Edwards just would go all over the map, and we're going to follow him as best we can and navigate the waters of these thoughts together in these verses as we go through. Jonathan Edwards says this, upon time we should set a high value and be exceedingly careful that it not be lost. And we are therefore exhorted to exercise wisdom and circumspection in order that we may redeem it. And hence, it appears that time is exceedingly precious. That's why he would say, Oh God, stamp eternity upon my eyeballs so that I would see everything with an eternal perspective. Everything that he looked at, every situation he was in, he had an eternal perspective. How does this affect my eternity? And so, in looking at these verses, being careful how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men, making the most of the time that we have been given, because the days are evil, Jonathan Edwards asked this first question, why is time so precious? Why should we be careful at all? Why is time precious? He gives us a couple answers. Number one, time is precious because it affects eternity. Time affects eternity. How you invest your time will leave its imprint on eternity. What we do in this life makes waves and echoes in the life to come. R.C. Sproul has a little article in his Table Talk magazine called Right Now Counts Forever. This very moment counts for all of eternity. And because time affects where we are going to spend eternity, time is very precious, and we need to be careful with how we live, how we use our time. Jonathan Edwards would say that Those that have gone before us into eternity, if they could come back and tell us how to live life, it would be drastically different than the way we think we should live life. Time affects eternity. A second reason that time is so precious that Jonathan Edwards gave is because time is very short. Time is very short. Edwards went into basically economics, just supply and demand. Since time is so short and there's such a tiny supply of it, then there's a huge price on it. It's, it's invaluable. You can't put a price tag on time because you cannot get more than enough time. Time is in short supply. If you think gas prices are going up because oil is demanded more and, and the supply is going down, whatever your thoughts are on that, imagine the price that is going up on the time that you have that is shorter than you could possibly imagine however long you and I end up living our lives is just a blip in comparison comparison with all of eternity. You think through eternity and you realize we have 70, 80 years here on this life if God would grant that. So Jonathan Edwards says, no, live for eternity. Time is so short. Value the time that God has given. And not only is the time so short, but he also says the time is short and the work is so great that we must live carefully, and not frivolously. A third reason why time is precious. Jonathan Edwards says, it's precious because it's uncertain. Time is uncertain. Not only is it short, that we know, but time is also uncertain. We don't know how much time we had to live. We could walk out this door, just as we heard in Family Bible Hour from Ray Comfort preaching the gospel. We could walk out this door and we could pass away from this life into eternity. We could get into a car accident. God could choose to just stop giving life to our bodies there are just an endless way ways that god could call us home time is uncertain what would you do if god told you and promised you you had 70 years to live what would you do if god promised you will die at the age of 72 so you have however many years you have left what would god promise what would you do with that promise from god what would God's promise to you change in the way you live? Maybe you'd say, okay, I, I can live a little bit more loosely with a certain amount of time, but we don't know. We don't know if we have tomorrow. There is a, uh, there's a practice that I've been doing recently. When I, I lay down as I'm about to go to sleep, or in the case of last night, when I wake up in the middle of the night, you, you, you have those moments where God just wakes you up just says, sorry, you want to sleep, but not now. And it's two o'clock to about four 30 in the morning. You want to sleep, but God says, no, there's other things that you should be doing with your time. Okay. I don't know what those are, but I'll start by praying. Um, as I'm praying last night, this is a practice that I've been doing for a, a couple of months now. As I go to bed, I think I could die in my sleep tonight. God could just very, very easily say, okay, I'm going to call you home. No more life to your heart. No more beating. No, no more blood going through. Just, I'm going to call you home. Today might be my last day. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. That's why I love Richard Baxter's quote. I, I preach. He's a pastor, Puritan pastor. I preach as a dying man to dying men as if I was never to preach again. I don't know if I'm going to see you next Sunday to preach from Philippians chapter 2. I hope so, because I really want to preach from Philippians chapter 2, but I don't know. God could call us home. Not only is time short, but it's also uncertain. So if we don't know that we even have tomorrow, we need to care for today and the time that God has given to us. Fourthly, Jonathan Edwards said that time is precious because time cannot be recovered. Time cannot be Recovered. He said it this way, you can lose an estate and regain it again, but you cannot lose time and regain it again. You will never have yesterday again to do what should have been done. Yesterday's gone and you aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So time is precious and we must be careful how we walk. Jonathan Edwards not only asked, why is time precious? But secondly, he asked, who is the one who wastes time? If time is precious, who is the person who wastes time? Because we don't want to be those who waste time, because if we waste our time, we waste our lives. So we want to make sure that we make the most of our time. So who who are the ones that waste their time? Number one, they are those who are involved in idleness. This isn't actively sinning. This is just doing nothing. And then Jonathan Edwards listed off in in a rapid-fire succession a number of Proverbs talking about the idle man. I want to just give you the references. I'll read the quotes. We don't have to turn there, but you can write down the references. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 18, 9. He also, who is slack in his work, is brother to him, who destroys or who commits murder. Proverbs 19 verse 15, laziness casts into a deep sleep and idle men will suffer hunger. And Proverbs 23, 21, drowsiness will clothe one with rags. Idle people are those who are wasting their lives, who have no drive whatsoever to live life with purpose, with passion for a reason. Can I just ask your own heart this morning, do you have drive, do you have passion to live in such a way that you're not wasting your life? Would you consider yourself an idle person? What do you do every single day that is done for the purpose of glorifying God and working for his kingdom and the advancement of it? Jonathan Edwards said, do not be idle because if you're idle, you will waste your life and you will waste your time And on that last day, you'll look back saying, oh, how I squandered it. Secondly, he said, those who are involved in wickedness waste their lives. Those who are involved in wickedness. This is an obvious one, not only just being idle, but also being wicked, being sinful. Sin is obviously wasting your life. Jonathan Edwards gave a number of examples that he saw in his own church of certain types of wickedness. He said this: uh, unclean talk is in our midst, bad examples, distracting others with your own idleness and sin, talking badly against others, quarreling, and stirring up strife. All of these are a wasting of your life. Those who are involved in wickedness, you might say, Well, I'm, I'm not sinful, I'm just in the idle camp. Well, it's really no, no different when it comes down to the use of your time. You're not really using your time any better. And then Edwards gave a third reason, or a third person who wastes his time. It would be this, those who are involved only in worldly pursuits. The key word there is only involved in worldly pursuits, only involved. He says it this way, "...they therefore, whose time is taken up in caring and laboring for the world only, and inquiring what they shall eat and what they shall drink, and wherewithal they shall be clothed, and striving to lay up for themselves treasures on earth," how to enrich themselves, how to make themselves great in the world, or how to live in comfort and pleasant circumstances while here, who busy their minds and implore their strength in these things only are those who are wasting their time. Those who are laying up for themselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and not in heaven where it's imperishable. Are you someone who wastes time by one of these three categories? Worldly pursuits, alone, trying to get ahead, trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to get the boat, the cabin, uh, trying to get the next, the greatest and latest, the the most amazing thing, the, the new iPhone, the new iPad, the new Apple I, whatever. Is that you? Are you working to please the Lord or are you working to make yourself comfortable and your life comfortable? Are you involved in wickedness that you need to stop today because your wickedness is sinful and it is a waste of your time? Are you involved in idleness? Our, Our world, our generation, our culture has technology at our fingertips to just get information nonstop, and it's one of the greatest blessings and it's one of the greatest curses in the world. Facebook can be an amazing tool and it can also be the biggest time waster. How do you use your time? Do you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? We have to work here on earth, yes, and we must work hard to glorify the Lord. What's the motivation of what you do? Why do you do the things that you do? Jonathan Edwards says that if you are idle, involved in wickedness, or involved only in pursuing worldly things, you are wasting your time. So his third question, how do we then live? How do we then live? If time is precious and if we don't want to waste time, then how do we live by not wasting time? What should we do? He gives us a couple of different principles to guide our our time, the way that we live. Number one, we must consider our accountability to God. We must consider our accountability to God. Every day, every moment, every second is on loan from God and you will give an account for the time that he has entrusted to you. Every second you'll give an account. Think of that last day when God says, how did you spend the time that I gave you? I gave you a lot of time. I gave you a lot. What did you do with it? How did you glorify my name with the time that I have given you? We must consider that day when we will stand before God and give an account. Secondly, we must consider how much time that we've already lost. We must consider how much time we've already lost. Edwards says, you do not have time to continue wasting your time because you've already lost time. The clock is ticking, as it were. You're on the clock. You don't have an infinite amount of time. And with each passing day, you are coming closer and closer to that last day when your time is done. And Edwards not only said, you are more out of time today than you were yesterday, and you're inching towards that finish line very quickly but he also said this with each passing day god is also giving to you more responsibility to glorify him so not only do you have less time to do the work but you also have more work with less time to do it and then add to it he said physically as well the older you get the more work drains you and you aren't able to get the work done that you thought you were able to So he said, start now, start now. Make the most of the time God has given to you now. He says it this way. Every day that you have enjoyed has been precious. Yes, your moments have been precious. But have you not wasted your precious moments, your precious days? Yes, your precious years. If you should reckon up how many days you have lived, what a sum there would be. And how precious hath every one of those days been? Consider therefore what you have done with them. What has become of them all? What can you show of any improvement made or good done or benefit obtained answerable to all this time which you have lived? When you look back and search, do you not find this past time of your lives in a great measure empty, having not been filled up with any good improvement? And if God hath given you your time, should now call you to an account, what account would you give to him? What account would you give? How have you used your time? Have you used it well? Consider how much time has already gone by. Thirdly, Edward says, consider those who are at the end of their time. Consider those who are at the end of the time. their time. He said this, go into the bedroom of the dying. Uh, they, they didn't used to go into hospitals back then. They, they would just bring family around in their homes and lie down on their deathbed and, and you would crowd around that person to listen to their last words that are uttered or whispered to you. Edward says, let's crowd in together to the bedroom of a dying person. What would their last words be? What would they say? He said he had been to the deathbed of many and most of them, would cry out, oh, for a thousand worlds, for an inch of time. Oh, if I only had time to live again. Those who are at the end of their life don't want more money. They don't want more fame. They don't want more prosperity. What do they want? They want time, and they don't have it. So Edward says, you would be wise to listen to those who are at the end of their life. I think that's one of the great blessings of living out the biblical precedent for discipleship. The older discipling the younger, the older can preach to the younger. This is what I wish I would have done if I had had your years to live over again. This is what I wish I would have done. And this is how I would have done it. And this is how I want you to do it, to glorify the Lord. We are able to consider those who are further ahead in their time and able to live wisely because they can help us with how to improve the time that we have. Fourthly, Edward says, consider those who are past their time. So not only those who are at the end of their time who are about to step into eternity, but also those who are past their time who have stepped into eternity. What would they say about the preciousness of time? Consider the souls that have stepped into eternity, and it's a Christless eternity. They step into eternity, and it is hell. It's the wrath of God forever. What would they say about the way they live their life? Um, I, I found this to be very sobering. I think it was a year or two ago when, when Steve Jobs passed away. I, I, from all that I know about him, he wasn't saved. Didn't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and yet he had made, uh, from the world standards, the, the best life for himself left an imprint on the world with Apple and with all the inventions and designs that he had done. And the whole world would look and go, what an amazing man. Look at how he lived his life and that's how I want to live my life. What would he say if he could come back here? If he truly did not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and he is currently in hell, what would he do? If he, if he could come back and speak to us, what would he say about the way that we are to use our time? about the way that he wished he would have used his time. You think he would say, you know, it was worth it to make a name for myself, to get all the fame, all the money, all the prestige. It was worth it. Even though I went to hell, it was worth it to put the stamp on the time that I had. It was worth it. I think he would say, I'd give all that away in a flash. Think about the other alternative. Think about those who stepped into eternity with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Think about if Ellen could come back and could say to us this morning, could speak about how we should use our time. I don't think that she would ever say, you don't have to stop. You don't have to keep living for Christ. You you can stop. You don't have to pursue him that much. I think she would say, oh, it's worth it. Treasure him now because the more you treasure him now, the more you'll treasure him then Live for him. It's never wasting your life when you live to treasure Jesus Christ. Consider those who have stepped into hell. Consider those who have stepped into heaven. Edward says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation because Jesus could come back now. He could come back now. And with a lot more words packed into it, that was the end of Jonathan Edwards' sermon, and he concluded with this quote, "'You have now heard of the preciousness of time, and you are the person's concerned to whom God hath committed that precious talent. You have an eternity before you. When God created you and gave you reasonable souls, he made for you an endless duration. He gave you time here in order to prepare for eternity, and your future eternity depends on the improvement of the time now.'" Consider, therefore, what you have done with your past time. You are not now beginning your time, but a great deal is past and gone, and all the wit and power and treasure of the universe cannot recover it. Many of you may well conclude that more than half of your time is gone. Though you should live to the ordinary age of man, your glass is more than half run, and it may be there are but a few sands remaining." Your sun is past the meridian and perhaps just setting or going into an everlasting eclipse. Consider, therefore, what account you can give of your improvements of past time. How have you let the precious golden sands of your glass run? And how will you live now to make the most of your time? That's what I want to do with the time that we have remaining. I want to ask that question. How can we, based on Edward's sermon, understanding that time is precious, that we can potentially waste time, but we must not? We've been commanded not to, and moving forward to how we're to live in light of eternity, I just want to take three principles, three ways to live for the glory of God, and in a in a kind of ironic way with New Year's, we're going to make our own little resolutions because Jonathan Edwards wrote resolutions that would um, be the, the guiding light for his entire life, would direct his focus, would direct his energy. I want to make three that are basically formed out of Jonathan Edwards' resolutions and hopefully will give us resolve to live today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, and the entirety of our life for the glory of God. How can we live to glorify God with every single moment that we have. Resolution number one, I will value my time and never lose a moment of it. I will value my time and I will never lose a moment of it. Resolution number five, which is one of the first resolutions that Jonathan Edwards penned when he was but 17 years old, he said it this way, and this uh, should be in the PowerPoint as well. Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. I don't ever want to lose one moment of my time. I want to live every single moment that God has given me to the glory of God, full tilt. Once again, Edwards had said, you can lose so many things in this life and get them back. I think of Dave Ramsey with the financial piece. That's his story. He was a Millionaire, multimillionaire, and then lost it all and has regained it all because of smart business practices. You can lose money, you can lose millions of dollars and regain them back, but you can never lose time and regain it back. Let me give you some scripture references that Edwards gave and alluded to but didn't give by specific reference. Job chapter 14, verse 5. Job chapter 14, verse 5 says this, Since man's days are determined, the number of his months is with you, and his limits you have set so that he cannot pass. God has set a limit for our time, a limit for our days, and we can't pass it. We cannot live longer than God has set the time for us to live. We also can't live one day less. We can't cut that time off Shorter than God has given to us. God has set a limit on our time. And the moment that we were conceived, God started that clock of time and our time is ticking now. Psalm 139, verse 16. In your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not even one of them. God has a book. And in this book, apparently from Psalm 139, Every single human has an allotment of days. They're ordained before you're even born, and you cannot scratch out that allotment and put in a new number. You can't live past it. You can't end your life before it. That is the number you will live. And it's a gift. It's a precious gift. What a a slap in the face to squander that gift. God says, I have an allotment of days for you. Here is the amount of days that you've given, and You just take them and just, yeah, I'll throw them away. No biggie. Don't squander them. Psalm 90, verse 12, it's the oldest of the Psalms. It was written by Moses, and he said this, and you're familiar with the text. Teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. The reason why we need to number our days is because God has numbered our days. God has determined an amount of time that we have to live, and so we need to number our days as well and know that there is an allotment of time, and we can't live past it, and there is an end coming. So we need to be careful with how we spend our time. I once heard an analogy on this with with money, and, and for me, it wasn't in hundreds or thousands of dollars. For me, this, this rang true. Do you, do you remember going to old arcades? Do you remember that? There were arcades, just pure arcades, not attached to like a putt-putt golf, not attached to Chuck E. Cheese. There were arcades, just pure arcades, and you would go with quarters and just hang out in the arcades. There used to be one in the mall, uh, in the Northridge Mall. My parents would, would go shopping in the Northridge Mall, and they would give me an allotment of money that I could spend in the arcades. And again, it wasn't hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. I'm talking quarters here. So I can break it up into five bucks, quarters, this is it. And there was always a, was always a moment when I'm given the quarters that I have to spend that my, my mom and my dad would say, here's the money that you have to spend on the arcades, and when you're done with this, you're done. <laughs> you don't get any more. This is all, so choose wisely. Now, if I had an endless supply of money, I'd go to all the arcades and just play all of the our, our arcade games just in a round, just keep going around, 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 but now that I only have this much money, I look and I go, okay, that game looks cool, but it's not worth money to spend. This game looks better. I don't know if it's worth. I only have a certain amount of money. Time is the same way. God has, as it were, given us only a certain allotment of time and said, here, these are the minutes, the hours, the days that you have to live. Put them in your pocket and now be careful with how you live them, because you cannot get more. This is all you have. That's why we must be careful how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of our time. We will resolve to live and value our time and never lose a moment of it. A second resolution that I'd like to make, number two, I will live each moment knowing it could be my last. I will live each moment knowing it could be my last. This is really from uh, Edwards' resolution number 7. Resolve never to do anything that i should be afraid to do if it were my last hour of my life i don't want to be afraid that jesus might be coming back as i'm doing something i love how edward says this don't want to be afraid to do this thing if it were the last hour of my life if god were to tell you you have one hour to live how would we spend that hour I don't think we'd be surfing the internet. I don't think we'd be hanging out on Instagram. I don't think that we'd be playing video games. If we have one hour left to live, wouldn't be curling up watching TV, wouldn't go to the movies. I think if we had one hour left, what would we do? I think we'd spend time with friends and family. I think we'd share the gospel. I think we'd plead with people. I'm about to step into eternity. Please, I want to see you there. Bend the knee to Jesus now. The reality is Edwards knew that focusing upon the last hour of your life brings to the surface what's most important in your life. And the reality is the older, the older that I get, the more that I realize it's not about right and wrong decisions anymore. It's not about good and bad decisions anymore. It's about good, better, and best. Maybe you say, oh, I'm not involved in wickedness, but maybe you're involved in idleness. Maybe it's a good choice, but it's not the best choice. Maybe you're involved in the better choice, but it's not the best. We do not have time to live for what is good. We do not have enough time to live for what is better. We only have enough time to live for what is best. So resolution number two, we will live each moment knowing it could be our last. And I think if we truly live that out, it would change our lives. It would change our lives. Thirdly, I will resolve to live each moment with an eternal perspective. I will resolve to live each moment with an eternal perspective. This is from resolution number 50 that Jonathan Edwards wrote. Resolved that I will act so as I think I shall judge what have been best and most prudent when I come into the future world. I want to live with my eternity stamped on my eyeballs and with my ear to heaven knowing that I could step foot into heaven at any moment in time. God could call me home so quickly. How are you investing your time in such a way that it's making waves in eternity? Are you discipling people? Are you preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel with those around you? Fathers, are you discipling your children? Are you actively involved in family devotions or some form of family worship where you gather together and you share Singing, reading the word, praying together, knowing the needs of your spouse and your kids. You are the family shepherd. So fathers, how are you doing in your job of shepherding your family? What are you doing right now that is making waves in eternity? I want to live with an eternal perspective. And I think one place that I'd love to turn, Hebrews chapter 11, gives us an amazing eternal perspective. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. This is Moses. You know, this is the hall of fame of faith chapter in Hebrews. How do we live with an eternal perspective? What does it do once we have an eternal perspective? I love this. Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking to the reward. He wasn't looking to the here and now, so the here and now meant nothing to him. He was able to hold it loosely and let it go. All of the riches of Egypt, oh, I can let that go because I'm going to gain all of the riches of heaven. I can let it go. Jonathan Edwards lived this exact same life, staring into eternity and letting eternity impact the way he lived. He died when he was 55 years old. He died in what we would just call a, a freak accident. He had a smallpox vaccination that responded negatively. His throat started to swell up. He couldn't swallow, and he knew that he was dying. He called his only family that was there at the time, his daughter Lucy, he called his daughter Lucy to him, and he said this, on his deathbed, after living a life that had been filled with resolutions that had been made, that had been kept, not imperfection, obviously, you struggle, we sin, and that's why we need the cross. But he said this, Dear Lucy, it seems to me to be the will of God that I must shortly leave you. Therefore, give my kindest love to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union, which has so long subsisted between us, has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual and will therefore continue forever. And I hope that she will be supported under so great a trial and submit cheerfully to the will of God. And as to my children, you are now to be left fatherless, which I hope will be an inducement to you all to seek a father who will never fail you, or leave you. And so with those words, Jonathan Edwards passed into eternity. He died the same way that he lived, to the glory of God. He died resolved. He died knowing eternity is what matters and I need to live carefully in the use of my time. And his teachings not only passed on to us today, but also to his wife and his family. His wife, when she heard news of his passing, said this, what shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Oh, that we may kiss this rod from God. Oh, that we may lay our hands against our mouths. The Lord has done it. He has made me adore his goodness, that we had him so long. But my God lives and he has my heart. Oh, what a legacy my, my husband and your father has left to us. This is as she's speaking to her children. We are all given to God and there I am and love to be your affectionate mother, Sarah Edwards. Will you be able to say on that last day, I've lived to the glory of God. I've lived full tilt to his glory. Will you be able to say, you have no regrets. You haven't wasted your life. I want to end with one more resolution from Jonathan Edwards. It's resolution number fifty-two. Then I want to read a, a short little poem. Edward says this, Resolved, I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives over again. Resolved that I will live just so as I can think I shall wish I had done, supposing that I live to an old, di- an old age. I hear people say all the time, Oh, I wish I'd lived over. If I had my life to live over again, I wish I could do it this way. I would do it this way if I had it to do over again. And Edward says, Oh, I want to live the right way the first time. I want to live the right way the first time. C.T. Studd wrote this Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life till soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life till soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, 'twas worth it all. Only one life, 'twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Father, we thank you for the gift of time that you have given to us. We thank you for your abundant mercy that brings us here today alive and well. We know that there is an end in sight. There is a day when we will have no more time. God, I pray as we come now to the Lord's Supper, as we think about the purchase price to redeem us to yourself. I think of 1 Corinthians that says, we've been bought with a price. Our bodies are not our own. Therefore, we must glorify God with our bodies. Father, I pray that as we, we sit and we think and we meditate upon your sacrifice, your death, your burial, your resurrection in our place, that we would realize you did that for us out of an amazing love that you have for us. And you did that to give us eternal life, which is not just when we die, but it's now. Eternal life is knowing you. God, I pray that all that we do would be done with the purpose of knowing you more and enabling others to know you more. May we listen to the words of Edwards. May we listen to the words of your servants that penned your word. May we live in such a way that we will not say, oh, I wasted it. But that as we see only what's done for Christ will last, we will see, okay, I'm going to live for him. Father, I pray that we dwell on the redemption price that your son paid to buy us out of the slave market of sin, out of death, out of hell. And I pray that we would be careful to live and walk in a manner worthy of that purchase price to glorify your name in all the earth you are wonderful you are merciful you are a great god and savior and we thank you for your great love amen